This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So we're going to cover in chapter 3 the first uh, 13 verses. Don't worry, it's only two sentences. (laughs) But we're going to cover the first 13 verses this morning and kind of hit the high spots of what Paul is talking about about this present dispensation. So let's start in verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he has made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, whereby when you read you shall understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom... We have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. That's all one sentence. Verse 13, wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now, Paul starts off in chapter 3. Well, first of all, he didn't write in chapter and verses any more than you would write a letter in chapter and verses. The translators divided it for reference sake and for for ease of, uh, well, ease of reference so that uh, that we'd have a starting point and an ending point as much as they were able to uh, to identify. Because as I said, Paul writes from a big picture standpoint and there is no ending place when it comes to the things of God. So when Paul starts off in verse 1 and says, for this cause, he's referring back to something that we read before in chapter 2. He finishes, uh, well, the, the second chapter of Ephesians is primarily Paul talking about the power of God in us and him God having raised us from the dead with Jesus to make the Gentiles one with the Jews in the body of Christ. And so he says, for this cause, because the Gentiles are part of the body of Christ too, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. And notice what Paul says. Paul is in prison because of the preaching of the gospel. Nero is the the Caesar. He's the, the leader of Rome at that point in time. And so when Paul writes this, he does not say that he's a prisoner of Nero. He says he's a prisoner of Jesus for the purpose of helping the Gentiles. Now keep that in mind because in a couple of verses we're going to explain something about Paul's dispensation and the present dispensation and what Paul understood about the time that he lived that's going to make a lot more sense to you. But keep that in mind. He said, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, Now, of course they've heard. He's not saying, well, I hope you have. Of course he knows that they have. In other words, he's saying, I'm the prisoner of Jesus because of what you've already heard that God has given me. How that by revelation he has made known unto me the mystery 
as I wrote before in a few words. Now, nobody really understands what he's talking about writing before in a few words because there are very few things that he said about uh, doctrine up to this point. And he goes even further and says, which when you read, uh, where was I? In verse 4, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That would indicate that he's talking about something that was not in the letter that, he's already, that they've already read up to this point. So what letter is he wanting them to read? Paul knew and Paul understood, and this is very important in understanding the ministry of Paul. Paul understood that his letters were circulated throughout all the churches. He knew that what he had written to the Romans is being read in Ephesus. He knew that what he had written to the Corinthians was being written in Rome or read in Rome. He knew that the teachings were going all throughout the world, meaning that part of the world, the, the Europe and the Middle East. He knew that these letters were being passed around. And so he says, I know you know about me, and I know you know that what God has given me is for the Gentiles to make them understand who they are in Christ Jesus. And I've written these things before to you in a few words. Now, the few words he's talking about, in my opinion, are the letters that have been written to the church up to this point. And this is the last one. So he's talking about what he wrote to the Romans. He's talking about the letters that he wrote to the Corinthians. There were four letters that he wrote to the Corinthians. We have two of them, maybe three. Second Corinthians may be a combination of two of the letters. Nobody's in agreement about that. So uh, we know that there are some letters, some things that he wrote, that, uh, that particularly to the Corinthians that we don't have. But he wrote letters to the Galatians. He knows that those have been read throughout the churches. He wrote to the Philippians. He just has written to the Colossians. It's possible that they, uh, uh, since these letters were delivered together, that they have not read, read that one yet, but will soon. And that may be another thing that he's referring to when you read. See, it indicates it's something that they've either read before or something that they're about to read. But either way, he's talking about all my letters show what God has given to me, what God has revealed to me for the purpose of the Gentiles. Again, this is going to be important when we talk about dispensations. Which in other ages, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed. He said, no, he doesn't say nobody knew anything about it. He says it wasn't known like it's revealed now. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And let's start going through some of this a little bit. Let's talk about dispensations. There are five dispensations that are identified in the Old Testament. He said in verse 2, if you have heard of the dispensation given to me. Well, what does he mean dispensation? The word dispensation can also mean administration. So it's the same framework or intended to be the same framework, but different people operating in the, uh, under that framework. So in a new administration or a new dispensation, some things change and some things remain the same. Now, when it comes to spiritual dispensations, the thing that always remains the same is God. God's dealing with man is always the same. Man's dealing with God changes from dispensation to dispensation. For example, the five dispensations that are identified in the Old Testament, there are seven total. But the five that are identified in the, in the um, Old Testament first started with creation, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It's called the Age of Innocence. It ends with the fall of man. The next dispensation was the dispensation of conscience. It started when God gave 
Adam and Eve skins, he uh, offered a sacrifice on their behalf, showed them how this works, killed the animals to provide skins and clothing for them, and this lasted through Noah's flood. Now, dispensations always start with God reaching toward man in some way, either a general or a specific way, and the dispensation always ends with the failure of man. The age of innocence, the dispensation of innocence, ended with the fall of man in the garden. The dispensation of conscience ended with Noah's flood. Next came the dispensation of human government. That ended with the Tower of Babel. The next dispensation was the dispensation of promise. It started with God reaching out to Abraham and making a covenant with him. Now, that dispensation lasted all the way up until the Egyptian captivity of uh, Israel going into captivity by, in, uh, uh, in Egypt. And it lasted until God raised up Moses to give the children of Israel the law. That was the dispensation of promise. Abraham's dispensation was the dispensation of promise. And then came the law, the dispensation of the law. Now, the law was kind of a continual failure of man because once the law was given, man saw very clearly that he couldn't keep it. So there was no possibility, which was the intent of the law to begin with. God didn't give the law so that man would have a list of rules. Now, that may be bad news to some of the church who's looking for a list of rules, and if we can just keep the rules, then we know we're okay with God. But the thing that never changed as far as from God's standpoint is the way that man could appear or relate to God was always the same, and that was faith. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it's a list of the hall of fame of faith. And you've got people in every dispensation that are listed in that, in that list. And it doesn't talk about Enoch, for example, who's in the, the um, earlier dispensation. It doesn't say that Enoch pleased God because he kept the law. It doesn't say Enoch pleased God because he operated according to his conscience. It doesn't say that Enoch pleased God for anything other than he walked by faith. So faith was the common denominator. Faith was the thing that always remained the same. It's what God required of man to approach him. Not the law, faith. Even in the dispensation of the law, it still took faith to approach God. Not the keeping of the law, but faith. Now, when Paul talks about the dispensation that's been given to him, he knows, by the way, the law, the dispensation of the law ended with the crucifixion of Jesus. That, in, that began a new dispensation. Now, what is the new dispensation? Paul says of this new dispensation that the prophets before didn't know about it. He said that the sons of men did, had no idea the reality of what this new dispensation would be. What is this new dispensation? Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
with a new dispensation he calls. I tell you what, let me show it to you. Hold your finger here in Ephesians chapter 3, but turn with me over to Colossians chapter 1. Notice what Paul says about this dispensation in the parallel letter that he writes to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, we'll start reading in verse uh, 25. Paul says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. Paul talks a lot about dispensations. He's the only one that does. You're going to see why in just a minute. Dispensations are real important to Paul. Peter never says a word about it. James never says a word about it. John never says a word about it. But dispensations are really important to Paul because he understood the times that he was living in. He said, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, talking to the Gentiles, talking to the church, given to me for you, the dispensation of God is given to me for you. For what purpose? To fulfill the word of God. Now, this word fulfill means the word com- is the word complete. Paul understood something. By the time he writes the letters to the last two letters to the churches, the letter to the Colossians and the letter that, that we identify as to the Ephesians, all the churches, but titled to the Ephesians. By that point in time, Paul understood that his ministry was not just to go in missionary journeys. It was not just to start and establish churches. Paul realized that his ministry was to complete or finish the Bible. Now you might say, well, Pastor Mike, what about Revelation? What about the letters that John wrote? Those were much later. Yeah, but it really has nothing to do with who we are in Christ. When Paul talks about the dispensation of God given unto him to complete the word of God, He's talking about to finish the message of who we are in Christ and what Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, that makes more sense when you understand that Paul's talking to the Galatians some years earlier, and he writes to them and says, the whole world will be judged by my gospel. Why? Because God gave unto him the dispensation of finishing the word of God, the knowledge of who we are in Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 26, even the mystery, he calls this a mystery. Now, what is a mystery? A mystery is something that's hidden. Now, who is it hidden from? It was hidden from everybody prior to the dispensation that we're in now. Paul's revelation and Paul's teaching and Paul's letters are given to us to reveal the mystery. But the world didn't know anything about it. What is that mystery? Well, the mystery, the dispensation that he's talking about, the mystery is Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. In other words, the mystery is the new birth, the new creation. Now, you'll find in Ezekiel 36 and also in Isaiah that both of them refer in just a few very short scriptures to the new birth. But nobody understood what it was really going to be about. There was reference to it. There was an indication. There was something that pointed this direction but there was no real understanding of it. That's why, well, I should give you the rest of the dispensations. The dispensation we're in now is the age of grace, the dispensation of grace, the church age, the age of the new creation. There's any number of titles you could give to it. Paul uses them all. And then the only other dispensation that's mentioned is, and there was a lot more information about this one in the Old Testament than there was the age of grace, that the final and seventh and final dispensation will be the millennium. When Jesus comes and sets up his earthly kingdom on the earth. That's why the Jews kept coming to him and said, if you're the Messiah, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they had, they had no clue 
about the age of grace. They had no clue about the church age. They thought that once the age of the law ended, the dispensation of the law ended with the Messiah, then the Messiah would set up his earthly kingdom for a thousand years here on the earth. That's why they kept questioning Jesus about, is this the time now that you're going to set up your earthly kingdom? Jesus kept saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Why? Because Jesus understood that there was a, there was a dispensation in between those two points that they were trying to connect. And it's the age of grace. That'll end when the church is removed from the earth. So let's keep reading. Verse 26, this is Colossians 1, 26. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to who? To the world? Uh, to his saints. See, a mystery is something that people that are involved and uh, a part of the group understand, but nobody outside does. Well, what's the mystery? What is it that we understand? Well, we understand about the new birth. Why? Because it happened to us. We understand about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he lives in us. We understand about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he filled us. We understand about the gifts of the Spirit, not only through the knowledge that Paul brings us through the teaching of the Word, but because we've experienced these things. We understand that the body of Christ is like a, the, the church works together as the body of Christ because of the teaching that Paul gave us, but also because we see how it works. We see that you've got one certain part, and I've got another part, and somebody else has got another part, and everything's supposed to work together. See, we understand these things because we're in. But nobody understood them before because nobody was in. Who could understand the new birth? Jesus tried to explain it to us, or tried to explain it to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Except, said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus says, what? Go back into your mother's womb to be born again? What are you talking about? Now, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was knowledgeable in the Old Testament teaching, he was knowledgeable in the law and the prophets. He knew what the Old Testament said. And when Jesus starts talking about being born again, he's dumbfounded. Why? Because this is the mystery that was hid from the ages. We take it for granted. But it was God's mystery. It was his plan from the beginning. And you'll see as we go further into what Paul says, you'll see why it was such an important part. And why it was so important. Verse 27, to whom God would make known to the saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the new creation. Now turn back with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Let's pick up where we were. Paul says, since you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. Notice he gave me, gave God gave Paul the dispensation, the assignment to deliver the word of God, the preaching of, the, of who we are in Christ for the purpose of the Gentiles. Why the purpose of the Gentiles? Because God made both Jews and Gentiles a part of that new creation. And that's what the Jews never, even today, refuse to accept in large part. How that by revelation, let's read verse 3 again. How that by revelation he has made known unto me the mystery as I wrote before in a few words. I think he's talking about the other letters written to the church. Whereby when you read, <clears throat> you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Remember Peter writing to the church says, Paul writes about things that are hard to understand. Why? Because he's still thinking with a Jewish mindset. 
Paul was one of the, the um, Paul's conversion experience. You remember how he met Jesus on the road to Damascus? Ask yourself this. Why in the world did God go to so much trouble to reach Paul? Remember what Paul said about people that had damaged and worked against his ministry. He said, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm. The Lord rewarded him according to his works. Why didn't Paul pray that God would do the same thing to Alexander that he did for him? Paul went out, or God went out of his way to reach Paul. Why didn't, uh, and this is in First Timothy, the first letter that he writes to Timothy. Why didn't Paul say, Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm? But I understand that because I did the church harm too. God meet him on his road to Damascus. Paul understands that God did something unique and exclusive with him that doesn't usually happen. I don't know about you, but I did not get saved because I saw a light shining from heaven. I didn't fall off of a donkey and get saved. I didn't hear a voice from heaven and see a vision. Did you? We would certainly have to agree that those types of situations, if they ever occur, are extremely rare. Why Paul? Paul was the perfect guy to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He was trained as a Jew, but he was a Roman citizen, and he was a very intellectually educated person. He knew the Greek culture. I say Greek because the Romans assimilated the Greek culture. When, when, Romans, when the Romans conquered the Greeks, they took everything of the Greek culture they could. They even took their gods and renamed them as their own. The, the Greek god Zeus became the, Jew, the Roman god Jupiter and so forth. They took everything and assimilated everything they could into the Greek culture, of the Greek culture into the Roman culture. Well, Paul knew what the Greek culture was. One of the most outstanding things about Paul is something that we, with a Western mindset, completely miss. I didn't get it until I went on this last trip. Paul's discourse at Mars Hill in Athens he preaches and talks about you guys have a, have a worship gods of all shapes, sizes, and varieties. You've even got a temple to the unknown God in case you left somebody out. They say, archaeologists tell us that there was a, 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 a promenade where there were 3,000 either temples or statues of other gods on one street. And apparently this is what Paul was grieved in his heart about when he walked through this thing and then made his discourse on on the top of Mars Hill. He said, you guys are worshiping so many gods. You're afraid you left somebody out, so you've got a statue or a temple to the unknown God. Well, he tries to tell them who who God is. And he uses a lot of Greek literature, writings in Greek literature. We've, assumed, we've assimilated some of the, the things that he says and, and, uh, during that discourse, and we say, oh, wasn't that, wasn't that beautiful? Like, for example, in him we live and move and have our being. Do you know that Paul is quoting from Greek poetry when he says that? We think, oh, that was inspired by the Holy Ghost. Paul's just using something they know. And as a result, Paul was the ideal guy to reach the Gentiles. Now I want you to keep this in mind because verse 13 is going to really wrap this up when he talks about his afflictions and the tribulations and trouble that he's in. It was all because of the way that God used him. 
And he was the perfect guy to be used because he was, he was perfect for the Romans, he was perfect for the Jews, and he was perfect for the Greeks. He was the ideal individual to reach everybody. And that's the person that God gave the revelation to about all of us being joint heirs in Christ, Jew and Gentile alike. So that's why he writes about the dispensation and the mystery that's been given unto him. He says, I know this is new to you. It's new to everybody. It was new to me too. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. No wonder Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. Because he realized the gospel that he had been given, that the whole world would be judged by, is the mystery that had been hidden from the ages and is the power of God in and of itself. Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Paul does the same thing here that he does in chapter 1, where he starts stacking words about power. He starts stacking up words, power, power, power. He does the same thing in this verse. He's talking about the power of God. The power of God. The power of God. One of the things that's interesting is that when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Corinth was the next place he went to after he preached at Mars Hill. Preached on Mars Hill. And, uh, and, and in theological circles, the, the, uh, the sermon on Mars Hill was, was magnificent. Because he incorporates things from the Greek culture. He incorporates things from the Old Testament. He incorporates new uh, creation theology. He just brings everything together. The problem is it didn't work. He didn't get anybody saved. Everybody heard what he preached and said, oh, wow, we're going to have to hear some more about this. That's what intellectuals usually do. People that hear the gospel on an intellectual level, most of the time they say, well, we want to learn more. Paul talks about certain people that are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's a picture of the intellectual. Well, I want to know more. Well, why aren't you satisfied with the truth? So when Paul goes to Corinth, he goes as a failure. He goes having accomplished nothing when he had one of the greatest audiences of his ministry experience in Athens on Mars Hill. So he goes to Corinth and he said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. In other words, I'm not going to try to be intellectual with you guys. Probably wouldn't have mattered. They weren't real smart to begin with. But he says specifically immediately after he talks about my first time with you. He writes this some years later. But he says, remember my first time with you. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus and him crucified. Forget Greek culture. Forget sayings from the Greek poetry. Forget modern day writings that I could incorporate and show you how the, the mythology is similar to some of the ideas of God and faith and so forth. Forget about all that. The only thing I determined to know among you was Jesus and him crucified, that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, that means the intellect of men, but only in the power of God. When Jesus first appeared to his disciples after his resurrection, he said, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then he conferred authority on the earth to his disciples. 
We need to know what our authority is in the name of Jesus. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. So Paul concludes by saying, don't let my trouble throw you off. You are the new creation, eternal purpose that God planned for. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.